Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 28-1. We're entering the new world of 28. Oh, man. It's getting weird right now, guys. Yeah. The, the paint's melting off the walls. The, the the catfish is still boiling. It's still frying. Though, so that's fun. We got through the water level. We got through the lava level. Now we're swimming through the lava. Well, right? ew. That's, that's the end of the game. That's, that's, that's the death round. <laughs> Now we're in the tryptophobic phase of the game, where uh-huh. where the where the facade is actually falling apart, and we're realizing that actually we're in a simulation. That's why the paint's melting on all the walls. Oh man, Mario gets meta. Anyway, we're a video game music podcast, uh, and every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. If it's good, we play it. If it's bad, we'll definitely play it. Well, just to piss you off. <laughs> no, no, not to piss. Off. We want them to feel like. <laughs> Bad music can be good. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you just need to be introduced to it. And if you did, still don't like it, maybe you need to be introduced to it again. Again, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're the um, Yeah. So this is a very special episode. We have um, with us live over the internet, as per usual, uh, the legendary composer Tom Salta. And I've got to tell you, it's it's actually a pretty fun conversation because. We learned about him, and you ever come across a situation where it's like, it's like a, a friend you haven't, you didn't know you had yet, like a friend you haven't quite met yet, and then once you learn, come to learn about him, like, wait a minute, what is this guy? What does he do? Oh, wait a minute, he makes that ice cream I like. <laughs> oh my god! All that the, the shows I've been going to, he wrote those. Right. This is amazing, and that's honestly the vibe I got from talking to him. It's like, it's like here's a name. Like, okay, I'm so used to hearing about Japanese composers, like. When it's come to Western composers, I'm like still trying to get my you know my feet wet on that or toe dip my toe in that. So when it's like, oh here we go, let me see what he's done. Oh my god, I just played through that game. He did that comp- composition. That's great. So it's been it's it's yeah. a really cool thing to have that I mean, have him on the show. Years and years and years in the music industry before getting into games in the 2000s. He's worked with Cell Dweller on Killer Instinct. He worked on the Need for Speed series. He's worked on Halo, Prince of Persia, Battlegrounds, Battlegrounds, PUBG, Battle Battlegrounds. Yes. A, yeah. Okay. I don't know these words, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying them. Um, so yeah. But before we get started on that, um, have you gotten into any any new games this this past? Uh, sort of. Uh, I hung out with. Matt recently, which and we haven't hung out in oh, a while. We actually, talk about so, that for sure. Like we caught up, and it was kind of fun. We started playing. Uh, we played Splatoon two again for the first time in ages. That game is still great. And I finally tried to start playing Returnal. Like I hooked my PS five up and tried to play Returnal a little. And I am trying to get myself into a zone of comfortably mm-hmm. playing video games more. And it both helped and didn't help that the last weekend proposed a summer game challenge which is basically as Tim Ekebis put it it's four in February three times three because <laughs> it's uh, basically three summer months why can't it just be like four in summer because because that's a that's something that I might actually be able to do well, let's be real here <laughs> at the end of the day and this happens with four in February too but it's going to be even looser with this is that I'm going to name a bunch of games, but I have no intention, per se, of beating mm. them. I intended, by putting them on my list when I finally decide what the heck they're going to be, my goal will be just to play them. It will be to focus my attention on this thing, because I still do game reviews. They still keep flowing in, and I still do those on top of my normal game plays. 
And someone might be saying, well, why are you doing these reviews if you got all these games to play? And the answer is twofold. One, more game reviews means much less money I have to spend because I'm broke and I'm trying to save cash, baby. And two, game reviews have a quote-unquote deadline, as in I have to play it because if I haven't played it and I can't talk about it, I look like a goober. Um, so... That makes me that's want. A, that's an to, industry term. That's right. That's <laughs> goober. right. You'll be a goober, and you nope. don't want to be a goober because then you'll be goober bald and never get another. That's right. You'll never get a never job get access again. to it. Yeah, never get a job again. But you were you're trying to find games for for fun, games for Purnell. Yeah, exactly. The Purnell game. And like I, like, you know, the funny thing is like there's also that problem where you end up with a lot of games like I have where you hit the elute. You have the problem of too many options like you see all these games that you feel as like you want to play if you were to read about them on their way to coming out you're excited and ready to go but then when the time comes to actually sit down and choose one of those 55 games wherever to play you have no drive to play any of them mm. and you're just like well that was a good time when it started which is why it kind of helps sometimes with like a friend's talking to me or visiting so like what ends up happening is a friend will go oh, i want to see that game I'm like, okay, we'll put it in. Let's. Do, you want to see Resident Evil 7? Let's play it. And yeah. next thing you know, I'm like, well, now I can't stop. Because now the bug's bit. Yeah. I'm in the game. You're miss- unengaged. Yeah. I, think, I think maybe what we're missing is community, right? Like, just missing missing being around people again to get excited about stuff. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Like, yeah. I think community and people discussing games is a major proponent of what makes me enjoy yeah. playing them. Like, and that comes like the board games too. Like, I have these moments where I'm like, I think I'm falling out of board game. I'm, well, that's I'm what it is. Like, 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 board games by their nature is playing in front of another person. You know, you can do it online, sure, but it's nothing. It's not compared to like having moving pips around the board, yeah, yeah. taking someone's money. Like, me! even at the end of a game, we're like, oh, you know what? You totally played this wrong. You know, or I added up my score incorrectly throughout the game. It doesn't matter. Like, it's still for me a, a, a much different it's a fun experience that that, that video games can't replicate it's but the now, engagement my summer challenge is to beat persona this summer yeah you need and you're so close man summer, you're still on the arc i know i haven't touched it i haven't touched it i gotta be, <laughs> I gotta be honest with everybody here i just i haven't gotten to I'm, I'm i'm like really hardcore back into running again and so like but i still want to play ddr so like all my free time is like well got some and i got now i'm starting up another project with uh cameron childs oh boy and um uh so i got a lot going on and in my case, my lot going on is primarily like life. Like but I'm going to do it this summer. I'm going to be like, no, I'm not going to watch, you know, like six seasons of Frasier again. And no, you're not going to play Final Fantasy X again. No. Never. No. Never. No. Time is precious. Ten two. Touche. By the way, so we're going to get started here. We have Tim Salta. Tim Salta. Good Lord. Final come- Fantasy on the brain. Yeah, that's right. You got Titus. Titus, Titus Salta. Now we have uh, Tom Salta here on the Zoom call. We're going to get into a talk with him, and then uh, we're going to come back after this interview. <laughs> well, we'll right. be right back. Hello. Hello. All right, now I'm I'm officially here. 
Tom Salta, thank you for joining us on the show. It was amazing that you started with the metronome. We did a live stream one time and um, I, I left the metronome on when I went to the yeah. bathroom and I came back and everyone's in the chat room was going, the metronome, metronome. Oh, metronome. Yeah, I can do that right now. If you want. That's it. There it is. Isn't yeah, that nice? I mean, you know, 120 beats per minute. It's, it's nice. It's great. Okay, the, I'm sorry. And then the funny <laughs> thing about it is like with metronomes, it always ends up being a thing where at first you're like, what the heck is that sound? There you go. Must be some kind of woodpecker or what's her known. And then the last right? thing is very I can, accurate. I can, I can, I can drop a beat to this. <laughs> I can drop a beat to this. <laughs> it's like let's go. <laughs> drop it. Oh. If you couldn't tell, oh, I, I love can metronomes. tell this is going to be a good. This is going to be a good one. All right. Yeah. Have you done a oh. podcast before? Is this something new to you? Or, or I mean, you've, you maybe done interviews, oh right? Have I done a podcast? I'm so glad you asked that because now you get you get me to be able to plug my own podcast. Please, please. Oh, yes, yeah. I do podcasts all the time. I do plenty of interviews, and I actually have my own celebrating 80s culture. It's called Two Guys in the 80s. So we, my brother-in-law and I just celebrate growing up in the 80s, and we talk about everything from video games to comedies to clothes to Star Wars, nice. to Indiana Jones, anything. It's I gotta all say, 80s-centric. <laughs> there's Garbage Pail Kids making an appearance on the show. <laughs> this guy likes his Garbage Pail Kids, yeah. Dude, remember the Garbage Pail Kids? Oh. And then the slime and, and, well, Cabbage Patch Kids are the ones that started. But anyway, before we go off to 80s culture, yes, I I'm I love podcasts and, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> but I just like that. All right. See you later. I just like now. that because you weren't Garbage Pail Kids into a conversation on a no, EGM right. podcast, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> okay, so well, then I'm tell me, you. what's your what's your favorite Indiana Jones movies of the three that only exist? What's your favorite one? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, down. Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Hands down. I'm a Last Crusade. Second man. favorite is the the Last Crusade, and the third favorite is Indiana Jones, and and there are no others. No, <laughs> I agree with you. I feel bad though because like I I did see I that knew that shall not be named and uh, yes right. I was the guy that was like I like the refrigerator <laughs> scene at the beginning that was ridiculous. I, <laughs> I appreciated the refrigerator scene. I mean it was just like okay, yeah. Uh. They got. They got to do something to try really, that. Like they can do <laughs> something to always stretch the imagination. But that was. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I think that was it. You could just start it at that point and, and end it. Right? <laughs> That's <laughs> the end of the movie. Good. Man, he got out of that one. <laughs> well, usually, usually they escalate things. Yeah. They just started it at the top. Is what they usually right. do. Right. Yeah. Starts out in a refrigerator. So. He ends up in a cooler. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we're, we're talking to an '80s kid, right? We're we're, oh, we're, we're we're '80s kids too, and um, but you said you, I was reading through some of your interviews and stuff. And you said my dog is going crazy, and you said that you um you started in the industry, in the music industry before you got involved in games. Is that right? Yes. Oh, very very true. Yeah. So what, started, what got you into music? Oh God, just loving it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was. I mean, out of eighth grade, I got my first synth. You know, I was just you know. Um, yeah, I was a summer of uh, after eighth grade, and my dad got me a, a Roland JX3P, which I have on the wall right there, hanging up at the top, saying, you know. And uh, I just loved, you know, listening to the radio and copying the songs that I heard, you know, yeah, yeah. everything from Depeche Mode to Yaz to Madonna to Patrick O'Hearn to ELP. Mm-hmm. You know, I was all over the place. You know, I went back and listened to um, uh, Madonna, Like a Prayer. It came on the radio, and... Yeah. That song is amazing. 
Like there's it really a true blue album is fantastic. It's pr- like not not just like the song is clever, the song is catchy, and there's something really good about it, a really good pop song. But like it's produced like massive. It's like bigger than anything I could I've heard on the radio. It was so like cool. They, I feel like that could be set for a great deal of Madonna's work. Yeah, it's really good. Like she was exemplary yeah. in the craft. Oh yeah, they were the really good stuff. Uh, that was definitely one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. I had the vinyl of that one. So what were some of your earlier like uh, gigs getting into uh, getting into the industry? Uh, yeah, well, the first thing that I did, which is notable, I think, is in 1990. I got a. I ended up, believe it or not, um, freshman in college, having an opportunity to go on tour with Bobby Brown, <laughs> That's and awesome. so I was asked to. Yeah. So I toured the world with Bobby Brown, and then Whitney Houston came out, and then Mary J. Blige was opening up first, and then I toured with Mary J. Blige. So I was designing all the sounds. I was technically the keyboard tech sound designer, so I would listen to the records and then program the sounds and all the synths that they were playing. So... Which is which is awesome because I mean pretty much right in eighth grade I was doing that I was listening to my songs and I'm tweaking the synthesizers and you know so I've always been like a synth and a keyboard guy and li- very critical listener and uh, that has been my teacher you know yeah. and and even when I was young I used to listen at ten years old you know my favorite movie we mentioned that already Raiders of the Lost Ark so I would you know back in the in 1981 1982 1983 early 80s you know i didn't have a vcr or anything like that so you see a movie in the theaters Mm. and then it's out uh and the only way to really experience movies was to listen to the soundtracks Mm -hmm. so i would listen really closely to those soundtracks so i i still have it i still have the vinyl for raiders and et and star wars and tron and back to the future and I would just listen over and over and over again, and that was the way I would re-experience the movies because you couldn't see them. Of course, no, you know. And ask. if you did see them, it would be five years later, and it would be on a little tiny TV, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was my chance to kind of relive it, and uh, and it taught me so much, unbeknownst to me, that I would end up being called a composer, I guess. But. You know, unbeknownst to me, I was really learning the power of music, the power of what uh, music can do to explain what's happening, what you should be feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was very visual. Yeah. You know, listening to John Williams scores in the movies, it's very visual. You can really hear the action. You can you can tell moment to moment what's exa- going on. That's really interesting you know? that like um, you're your introduction into it or your what, what got you interested in the first place is almost like this the sound design piece. Of, of discovering well, where the sounds came from, right? 
or, or putting well, yeah, together. I mean, you know, yeah. if, if, of course, with John Williams, it was all traditional orchestra, but just the emotional roller coaster that it took me on was was really fantastic. But I wasn't interested in in, in composing, and, and you know, I mean, I I learned piano from when I was five. My mother was my piano teacher. And so, you know, I did all the stuff and the recitals and I learned all the classical music. And But then, you know, by the time I hit eighth grade, I was too busy learning songs off TV. You know, I, I did medleys of stuff that I liked. I oh, was nice. Inspector Gadget or, you know, the Pink Panther or whatever. And I just put together songs, Peanuts and whatever. And I'd just be playing the stuff that I liked. And then I got to be too cool to take piano lessons. So that took me through the 80s. Then the 90s, I ended up going and tour. I wanted to be a big, famous record producer. So through for 10 years, I, you know, I, I toured, but then I came back in the studio and I was writing, producing, programming all kinds of artists, everything from from hip hop to classical to jazz to rock, hard rock. I even uh, worked on some uh, one one hard rock album went gold actually mm. i was a producer a co-producer and uh mixed it um so i had so much i was kind of like a forrest gump uh <laughs> musically like my journey yeah. you would not believe all these situations that i ended up in but it really taught me mm. so much right. and so much variety and to appreciate and and you know the 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 kind of music that i really understand is a huge range of music which uh was came in very handy um, when I got into the 2000s, and uh, that's when I got the bug to kind of change career paths to go from the record industry into the uh, music uh, for games or music to picture, but mainly for, for video games. You were mentioning how you got really engaged in the idea of like listening to movie you know, movie scores and TV scores, and you would just kind of kind of get caught up in them. Were you the type yes. of person that would also potentially run a soundtrack over your day to day activities or your life? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't do that. But I did spend a good number of hours having my life be listening to the soundtrack <laughs> because for, for me that was like you know that was entertainment I would actually for some of those movies like Raiders and E.T. and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom uh, in the toy stores they'd have baseball cards and then they'd have movie cards so I would collect yeah, the movie those. cards and I still have mine <laughs> and uh, so I'd make my own slideshow so I had a, a pile probably a good eight inches tall oh, wow. of you know Raiders of the Lost Ark cards and I would put them in order and as I listened to the soundtrack that was like my slideshow <laughs> but no I didn't play like uh, you know the map room scene as I'm trying to you know clean the driveway or something no <laughs> it's kind of what we do we'll have like a we'll have like a playlist like for like when we're working out or when I'm driving to work you know gotta listen to yeah no when I'm not here in the studio <laughs> I'm not listening to soundtracks uh, I gotta be honest alright so what, what scratches your itch when you're not in the studio 
Uh, well, if it has to, if, if I am listening to music, it's going to be stuff that really kind of takes me away from work because when I listen, I usually am a very active listener. So yes. it's work for me because I'm like listening. I'm, I can't help it, but I'm, you know, dissecting everything that I listen to. So for me, you know, enjoyable, like just, just today, let's say we had on, uh, like Pandora, like Prince radio. So we were listening to like a mix of Prince songs and early Michael Jackson and Gap Band and, you know, Bobby Brown. And I just love like 80s, late 80s and 90s R&B. I just love, I love, well, all of 80s and 90s, early 90s R&B. Just, just love. That's one of my favorite genres. I also love classic rock. I love Peter Gabriel. Mm. You know, if you put on like Peter Gabriel radio, love it. Put on Sting radio, love it. You know? I'm getting like a, um, I'm, I'm seeing some um, um, connections between like a little bit more of like the electronic synth focused of the 80s and the 90s, the R&B with like the synth bass, you know, Peter Gabriel, Genesis. Oh, sure. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, the Mini Moog is, is that's like my favorite keyboard in the world. And I have it here sitting to my right. The the Mini Moog Model D, uh, which was used on pretty much all of those R&B records. Like you're talking stuff. about is your family sitting around you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Got him right here. Right there. He's warming up. He's really going to be out of tune. <laughs> See, he's just warming up. I just turned him on. So he's going to be like, yeah. That Yo, it's so juicy. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> So you, uh, you talked about your, your your shifting gears into the games industry, um, and then yes. I've seen some of your credits as maybe your pseudonym Atlas Plug. Is that part of that shift, or yes. is that maybe just like you want oh to explore my a whole yeah, other the, side? The Atlas or... Club, uh, Atlas, Atlas Plug, Atlas Plug is a huge paradigm shift in my life, mm. uh, and um, I'll, I'll I'll start the story now by saying if if you want to hear more. Um, <laughs> Type my name in and TEDx on Google, and you're going to hear a 17-minute TED- TEDx talk I gave uh, about the Atlas Plug story and my transition through my musical career. But uh, elevator pitch or um, length, um, I can tell you that what happened was when I got the bug to get into video games, it was after playing, you know, like Halo and Rainbow Six and Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Those are the games that just blew my mind musically like wait i could be doing this Mm -hmm. even though i've been playing games since the late 70s and i played all the mario games and all the zelda games i was never listening to them and inspired like oh i want to do 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 i mean i love the music i can't get it out of my head but i didn't want to do that as a career but when i started hearing you know, and uh, you know that kind of music, and and the stuff in Prince of Persia. I'm like, oh, I can relate to this. I love this. So with this so, game, music started um, becoming more like cinematic in style, and more like more involved than yeah, Kenny. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess you could say that it started becoming more like movie music, and uh, also I guess a, a lot of it is like more Western oriented. Mm. You know, Western. I don't mean Western like Wild West. I mean Western right. in, as far as the musical style. Mm. You know, um, and so that blew, you know, that like I remember one day in 2001, basically, like the clouds opened up uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, this this is where it's going, because in 2001, you might recall a lot of bad things happen besides 9-11. Um, also, high speed Internet came out, which brought Napster along with it and LimeWire mm-hmm. and music piracy. 
-hmm. So all of my dreams and aspirations to be this big famous record producer selling, you know, albums in the traditional method, that all changed overnight pretty Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. People were no longer buying albums. They were downloading music for free. In mass even. And and they were downloading individual songs. Yeah, and we're still feeling the effects of that because now everyone doesn't want to, no one wants to pay for music. They just want to stream it. Well, it changed. It changed everything. And it it took a genius like Steve Jobs to figure out how to monetize that. And he's the one who came up with iTunes. So where he made it easier to actually pay 99 cents for a song than to steal it. And and that's was the beginning of, of the end or the the change of the music industry. Right. Um, and so when that happened, I, I foresaw that you know my dreams and aspirations to become a record producer probably was not going to support my family. Um, in those days, it just it just it just didn't work. So that's where I got the bug to do video games. And you know, longer, very long story, slightly shorter. Uh, I thought it would be, you know, hey, at this point, I had 15 years under my belt. I worked with artists like, you know, Cher, and and, and I worked on remixes for, you know, uh, Peter Gabriel and, you know, Whitney Houston and all. You know, I, I had a pretty decent resume as far as music musical right, uh, right. experience goes. But thinking that that would equate to want, you know, uh, me getting into the industry as a composer, I, yeah, I was kind of mistaken. I went out to E3 with 100 CDs of what I created in two weeks, like video game style music, yeah, yeah. thinking that, oh, they'd be like, you know, oh, yes, of course, I, we need composers, yes, oh, God, uh, but so they couldn't hard. care less. So I came, <laughs> yeah, I came home with my tail between my legs, and uh, I'm like, okay, I, uh, this isn't, I got to figure something out fast, uh, otherwise I'm screwed. And that's uh, where I came up with the idea for Atlas Plug. Mm. Um, Atlas is salt backwards. Um, plug is is uh, the opposite of unplugged. So instead of acoustic music, it was electronic music. Uh-huh. And because I had so much experience creating my own music from scratch, I mean, I could do the whole thing from A to Z. Um, I'm like, well, why don't I just create myself to be an artist? Because I think that video game industries will be more receptive through the licensing mm. department than the hire a composer department. And it's very smart. So if you're like Crystal Method, because so much music was getting see? licensed for games right at the right, exactly. At the right time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, so all these like Crystal Method, yeah. uh, Chemical Brothers, that stuff's getting licensed. Well, no one knows who I am anyway. So why don't I just become one of those artists? So I, you know, I quote this whole album, this whole image together. I, I signed with a publisher. And before you know it, four songs got chosen to be licensed in Rally Sport Challenge 2 in 2003. And that was my introduction to the video game industry. And then after that, Crackdown, yeah. the original Crackdown, there's a whole bunch of Atlas plug music in that. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Uh, in yeah, fact, they even put billboards music. in the city of the uh, the record uh, out, the, the cover I'm of nice. the record. I, I was playing the game one day and I saw the cover of my album on a building. I'm like, what? I'm actually you know, really glad to hear um, that too, because Crackdown, that was the game that sold me on an Xbox 360, and I put a stupid yeah. amount of time into it, so as you can probably guess, that means that a stupid amount of my time was spent listening to your music back then. That's correct. Halfway to a bliss, two days or die, get rolled on, all those things. Mm. Anyway, so that was my introduction to the industry, and then at some point, I took off the Batman mask and got myself a manager and started pitching on video games as a composer for original music in games. And that was the beginning.
tell us about your first game. Like, what was the first one that you had, like, full... Like, you had to do the full, full, full sound... Full, full score for it. Yeah, the tech... The, technically, the first video game that I did a score for was something called Still Life by, um... Uh, was it Microids on PC? It was like one of these... Um, it was like a point-and-click point Yeah, it was like a point-and-click adventure game. It was like a, an investigative horror game. Um... And it was really cool and vibey. It wasn't. It, it was a good introduction for me uh, to kind of get my feet wet. And I don't know. I think there are about twenty minutes of music. I still get emails from time to time, like you know, do you have the score? I can't find. It. I'm like, really? You care about that? People are so, still um, talking that up, honestly. <laughs> that's like, so funny. People are so that was that was the first, um, technically the first game uh, that I scored. Um, but another one was much, 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 much bigger than that, and this is the one that really was like a a, a crash course, an eye-opening experience, which was Need for Speed Underground Two. Mm. And uh, the audio director, the audio director that I worked with on that, who I'm I'm very fond of personally, but he's a tough guy to work for. I gotta say, and everyone knows it, including him. I won't say his name, but I mean everybody knows he's a tough cookie. And uh, he's hard on you. So for me to have that little experience and to work on a game of that magnitude, that was like, I felt like I was uh, in boot camp for the Marines. And uh, But I made it through alive, I think. And, um, you know, after that, I got games like uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter and Cold Fear mm-hmm. and, you know... You had to cut your, you had got, to cut your teeth got, on the uh, on the e- was it was that electronic arts right Need for mm-hmm. Speed yeah yes and I'm glad you yeah. did because that got a scuzz missile and that is <laughs> whoa that's <laughs> a sweet you. one that's a sweet one thank you well that one you can see if you listen to Atlas Plug Two Days or Die and you listen to the Need for Speed Two soundtrack or at least the original music in it you'll see that it's very closely related to Atlas Plug and I got hired directly because of my identity as Atlas Plug they said uh, we want more of that. Early on, before we started recording, I was telling you about how much I really enjoyed um, Red. Oh my gosh, my brain broke down. Red Steel. There we go. Um, and how eclectic it was, all the different styles that were going through it. Do you think maybe your 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 um, your history and your experience with all these different genres? You think that really served you? Because um, very much yeah, so. Yeah. Tell me about that. Oh, very much so. Yeah, th- that game was a perfect example of having of the benefit of having that much. Uh, experience in a variety of styles. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I mean, that's an anomaly. I have very seldomly, uh, if, if if at all, I'm trying to think of any other project where it covered that much ground yeah. uh, in the score. You know, we had everything from like classic R&B, like, you know, with the mini moke. Yeah, actually, I remember there was one, of, like, one of the tracks I was I, I picked to play on the show was this, it was like a, a minute or two minute, like really funky track. And I'm like, Yes. It doesn't really fit with the rest of it, but it that's is the one so, I'm talking about. Oh, it was so be, funky. It was like in his nineties funky style. That's right. Because, you know, a lot of the music in there was diegetic music. That was so some of it was from a club. Mm-hmm. But it all took place in Tokyo and it was it, it had this very, you know, gritty cities uh, edgy feel to it. So there was a lot of J pop in there. There was choral, you know, traditional choral music. Like if you listen to the theme 
it had like old style Japanese choir uh, in it, um, which real, you know, real Japanese singers singing in Japanese, like in the old ancient style, you know, with a yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, they laugh when you talk about that now. It's like, yeah, no one sings like that. That's like. You know, Shogun. Yeah, but it was like um, a, a mash, a mishmash of all these amazing It was a huge things. mishmash. Yeah. And yeah, I think the audio director just had a blast because it was like, okay, today we're going to do circus music with like killer clowns <laughs> running around, you know, mixed with 50 sci-fi movie. Like, can you do that? And it was like I had two days to create the entire, you know, suite of music for that entire map. Yeah. You know, that was like the indoor amusement park that was called the the most dangerous game. And yeah, uh, I mean, I just like, can't come home. I'm in the circus. I got a circus yeah, it up for another it, day. <laughs> I, I think it was going out of my mind after because we're like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know, like the music is really psycho. It's like this killer, like clown circus. Um, so it was so much fun, but it was a lot of work. Mm. I mean, it was, you know, there were there was very little time to think and, and just you just had to do it. scored quite a few games over your time in a variety of different genres and styles. If yes. you could have like your dream game to compose for like as far as like a genre mm-hmm. or a motif, what yeah. would that be? Jeez, you know, I'm I'm glad you're asking this and I I'm not sure if I'm going to give you a very satisfying answer. Um but I will tell you that I'm not completely sure I have covered enough styles to be able to tell you for certain what my favorite is Hmm. um i'll tease you a little bit now by telling you that i'm doing a style now that i've never done before and it is my favorite uh it is a uh it's not circus crazy (laughs) and it's not circus music although there's a little bit in it but it's in a crazy intense horror score oh oh interesting interesting and yeah yeah and i've never done a like a full out you know, big horror score before. Um, and I just, I just absolutely love, love, love this. So I don't know. Um, I could tell you a few things that I'd really love to do, mm-hmm. uh, that I haven't done necessarily yet, uh, to the degree I'm, I'm talking about, like something like a Skyrim, believe it or not, that, that kind of so much of the music in Skyrim, uh, I really love. It's such, so dreamy, atmospheric, orchestral music. Yes. It's just like meditative, soundscapey, just beautiful, distant, meditative music. You know, barring some of the action music, which gets sometimes a little repetitive, in my opinion. But um, I just love that. So I would love to kind of do those. I like a lot of dreamy, take you somewhere else music. Some of that I definitely covered in Prince of Persia. That was definitely on my oh, bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. That that's got a really nice, just soaring, 
sound to it for so many of those sections. I've really enjoyed that. And then of course right, you like get the, the Perry, the the Perry, which was Zara's mm-hmm. theme and stuff. Oh yeah, that that kind of music is some of my favorite stuff to do. Stuff that's just like dreamy. I just want to stay here for forever. Um, kind of stuff. Well, I will um, say this thing because I was surprised because yeah. so, like earlier in the episode, you had mentioned that your fav- one of your favorite movie scores was Indiana Jones. And this is going to get weird because this is a typical Purnell moment. But uh, so one of my favorite video games out there is called La Mulana. And I generally describe that game as being Indiana Jones, the video game, if Indiana Jones didn't have plot armor. So puzzles that he might not be able to solve and traps that will actually kill him sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And it has one of my favorite OST scores as well. And that got me thinking in the sense like, Given that you're a big fan of Indiana Jones, both the film and the score, yeah. do you foresee yourself having an interesting like time with trying to compose an Indiana Jones-esque score for a game of the same style as the movie? See, Pranel's pitching a video game to you right now. <laughs> you know, this is great. Yeah. And and uh, I'm glad you asked that question, and I have a, a very short answer. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Um, I just, I'm not... I, I listened to John Williams my whole life. Uh, I am not going to do that kind of music. I mean, I have. Yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I have. There are some games where, you know, I can I can do it. I can approximate it. But that's that's not what I was put here on this planet to create. John Williams did that. I mean, there's been mm-hmm. wonderful imitations of it um, out there. And it's great and good for them. Fantastic. Tom Salta doesn't need to be doing that. Right. I, I, I appreciate it. I love it. Uh, but there's so much more unique stuff that I can offer to the world. I just don't, it's not my favorite stuff to compose. It's some of my favorite stuff to listen to, mm-hmm. but not necessarily create. You got your own lane to work with. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm glad I can at least separate those two things. Oh, yeah. You know, stuff that I love just to listen to, and then stuff I love to create myself. Mm-hmm. And they, they oftentimes are very different. And that makes sense, too, because, I mean, there are some people out there that kind of want to be the jack of all trades types where they're like, I can do any score you give me. You give me a genre, I'm going to do it. But at the same yeah. time, you hone your craft in specialty areas, and that's where you truly begin to shine, as you've clearly been able to do across the stuff you've produced thus far. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is this. It's 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 really true. I mean, look, if you're a pro- professional composer, you don't want to say no, right? If you get asked to do something, you say yes. Mm-hmm. And and I have. I've said yes to pretty much everything. But, you know, after a certain amount of time, if you're fortunate enough to have, you know, a, a, a large body of work and people come to you and hire you for stuff, you know, you, you know the kind of things that just flow. Mm. Like this just I could just do this all day. This is not I'm not breaking a sweat. I, it just is so creative. I feel free. I feel like the music is writing itself. And then there's stuff that you really have to work at, you know? And, um, you know, there's just some kinds of music out there that I feel that I might have to work at. And I can do it really well, but, I mean, who wants to feel like they're working all the time? (laughs) I'm actually glad you said that because, like, I was thinking about something and then you said something that led right to what I was going to ask, which is, so... You mentioned earlier in that statement that, you know, someone says, do this job. You're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to knock this track out or this composer's composition out. But can you recall what may have been the most challenging or difficult composition for you of your career? 
and game music. Whoa, that's a loaded question, especially that you threw in in your career. You know how I do it. Damn, that's like, I should have prepped on that. One. <laughs> uh, damn. Okay, let's see. Of my career, I'm gonna I'm going to my website now and looking down here. You would think it would leave a like a a, a, a lasting impression on yeah, me. Uh, your, your eyes might roll past it and start, you know, be like, oh, that one. I Man, you could have also spent <laughs> years like blocking it out. So now we're making you rehash. Uh, well, that's it. true. That that's very true. Um, gosh, most difficult one of my career. Obviously, there's an answer. Um, but I'm not sure I know what that one is. Um, you know, the thing is this, though. I've been doing it for so long. Some of the things that were really very difficult for me, uh, would not be as difficult now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think of stylistically. You know? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, Need for Speed Underground 2, even though that was what I did voluntarily on my Atlas Plug record. Mm -hmm. Uh, doing it in the context that they wanted me to do it in, scoring to film, get, you know, doing it exactly the way, and no, we want it to sound like this, and but it's got to hit this point. That was very difficult for me, but I think a lot of that was to, due to my lack of experience. You know, because I was like, I was so used to making records. I wasn't so used to jumping through hoops with tempo changes, signature changes, you know, tempo mapping, uh, hit points. That was all foreign to me. So at the time, that was the most difficult. But if you gave that to me now, I'd be like, yeah, ha. ha. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a challenge. In the games industry, in this game's world, do you have any other composers that you've worked with that you really admire or other people that really inspire you also? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, most of the people I really admire I haven't worked with. Um, generally speaking, in my experience, you know, the kind of scores that I get hired to do mm -hmm. are usually uh, usually a solo uh, composer. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean whether I've worked with them or not. I mean, you know, a lot of the people that I admire are the ones that I admired from the beginning that got me inspired. So, you know, Marty O'Donnell, certainly, right? Bill Brown, uh, he was one of the first composers that I, you know, I searched out. In other words, I had to listen, like, who who did this? You know, I remember Enon Zor was was early in there. Drac Jack Wall was in there early. Um, you know, uh, Jesper Kidd, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, also another artist who's not a composer, Poser, per se, but Clayton as a, a AKA cell dweller, yeah. uh, when I first signed with my publisher, he was the first artist with that publisher. In fact, my publisher managed him oh. 
at the time. So when I heard Cell Dweller, I was like, oh my yeah. god, what is this magic? Actually, that's you know, where and, like, and I, I have worked Atlas with Atlas Plug. And I was like, where have I? I know I've seen that name yeah. mixed with something else. And that's then I was right. like, Killer Instinct. That's right. Those songs right. with Cell Dweller are so heavy. <laughs> They're so heavy. Right? Isn't that it's so cool? So yeah, so that's a perfect example. That Now, that wasn't the first time we worked together. Mm. But um, the, the, the Killer Instinct story was that as you know, Mick Gordon did season one and two. Incredible. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mick yeah. Gordon's awesome. Uh, and so when I got a call from Mick Gordon uh, asking, uh, saying that they, that he wanted to recommend me because he wasn't going to continue with that season, uh, I'm, I'm like, I was flattered and terrified at the same time, you know, that he would think that I would be a, a decent replacement. Um, so... You know, long story short, I thought about it. I mean, I was I was really kind of scared because I'm like, okay, you know, that's a high bar, and he has such a specific sound and very strong fan base, and you know, you know, you're going to hear people starting to compare, right? But you know how it so goes. I'm like, like, do you I want to really get yes. into that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you know, I said, look, I can't say no to this. I know I can do it. I just got to figure out the right way to approach it so that I give justice to the project, so that I make everybody happy and I enjoy it as well. Mm. And I said, this might be a perfect opportunity to put on the, the mask again and become Atlas Plug. And I said, if I'm going to do that, I think it'd be a fantastic opportunity to bring in one of my early inspirations as an artist, Cell Dweller. So I called Clayton on the phone and I said, hey, I'm doing this score. Do you want to do it? And I told him about it. And he's like, yeah. I That's said, great. Awesome. So let's do it. Well, I think it's safe to say that justice was very much served on that OST. So yeah, Mission yeah. accomplished. It's definitely oh. a favorite here. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I, yeah, I, I, I'm just really happy that everybody was happy. Let's put it that. I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not expecting you to have an answer to this, but that Battletoads medley. Whose idea was it to put the pause theme in, like, in the middle of it? <laughs> oh, well, g- good question. That is a formulaic uh, decision that was made uh, by the um, developer, by the audio director. I don't care. In fact, if you listen, um, all of the tracks, every single character, technically has a pause theme, or what they call the. The boring theme. Uh, but in the case of Battletoads, in the equivalent in the 80s of a of a put down the controller, you're not playing, is a pause theme. Because you didn't pause games in the 80s. Yeah, but in Battletoads, it just looped. It was just that that beat, man. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, uh, so, yeah, that was the idea to kind of, you know, rope in yeah. some of the cool essence of Battletoad. But then modernize it and be like, okay, so what would Battletoad be listening to on a Walkman if he was kicking <laughs> someone's ass? And he's like, well, he'd be listening to Van Halen, you know? So that's where it kind of came from. Oh, it was awesome. like a mesh of Van Halen and you know, just all the, and, and the classic 8-bit stuff and you know, and just, we just killer instinctized it <laughs> as we like to say. Wait, what were you listening to on a Walkman? That's the classic Battletoads conundrum. But right? he has to be careful, though, because you don't want the court to get tangled up while he's kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The kids are like, what are, what's a Walkman? <laughs> All right. Look it up. <laughs> I think the listeners to this show probably are okay with understanding a Walkman. <laughs> All right, we got a couple. Okay. We got some youngins that pop up. And then we have to act cool, all kind of cool and hip from like, hey, kids, we know the score. What's all hip and <laughs> Yeah, man, that, that's that's like on fleek. It's like, no, no, that's old now. It's like, yeah, no, I know. 
Please I get it. Past, I've been please, a dad. Sir. Well, don't tell me that now. I thought I was, on the, I thought I was on the hook with you guys. I'm really, really excited about your masterclass that's on your website. I think it's awesome well, thank you. that someone with so much experience yes. is out there being like, you know what? I want to give people an opportunity to learn what I'm doing. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, thank you so much. Lower that barrier of uh, entry. You know, the thing is, I've given so many of these talks over the years, and, and those talks have always been limited to annual conferences and universities and schools and stuff like that. And, you know, look. Compared to the amount of people that want to be professional composers in in the game music industry, there's the vast majority don't have the resources to either travel or have the money to attend these expensive events and 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 schools. So, and I love interfacing with people and teaching anyway. I, I love teaching more and more as I get older, but you know, not enough to leave stop what I'm doing. Mm. So I said, well, the best thing I can do is sit here in my own studio and distill everything down that I've taught over the years and will continue to teach into my own series that I can just deliver right to people's, you know, computers. And if they want to learn, they can learn right from me. And and uh, beyond that, uh, you know, there you get to be part of a monthly live event where you can ask me questions. You can book a private call with me. Uh, and what's crazy is you can actually make money pretty much by joining this by the discounts that I give on uh, other products. So there's huge discounts up to 50% on major commercial products like Cinesamples and Heaviosity and Project Sam and more to come. Um, so just by being a student, uh, you, you're eligible for all those things, which a lot of people don't even know about. Uh, so it's the secrets out, folks. So yeah, if you're interested in this and you want to know what it takes, uh, it's a it's I think it's a great deal and you know, Worth have fun with it. In relation to that, because I can imagine someone's listening to this dialogue right now with the thought yeah. process of, well, that sounds all cool and all, but that may be a bit over my head. That may be too much for me. So then I would like to mm. ask, what yeah. level of what level of skill or knowledge of the craft would you say someone would need or should have before coming into the master class? Well, I I think it's really not even about having that. skill level it's about having the commitment and the passion to want to do it this is really meant for everyone from beginners in other words okay i don't know what it takes but all i know is i really want to do this badly yes i want to know what it takes to do it so it's it's kind that's why i call it game music essentials that's my first course in the masterclass series game music essentials there will be more but this is like the nuts and bolts you know 101 courses of okay what is interactive music? Like, what is implementation? What are the types? How does game music work in a game? Give me some examples. How do you go about it? What's your creative process? 
you know, and then it talks about everything from A to Z, and then it ends with a whole talk on the business. I distilled down, like, you know, my lifetime's career worth of business advice for this into a third, uh, what is it, a 27-minute video or something like that? So it's it's very concise, uh, to the point, and uh, chock full of information. And that's why I like to hear you, because, like, I know sometimes folks will make these products, and it'll be very much... I don't want to say high end or over people's heads, but it might seem right. daunting for you know people to take a chance on it. But the way you described that, if I were a rookie looking into this, I would jump on that concept. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's the that's the perfect thing because it's a very small investment to make to even determine whether like this is for me too as as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need. I mean, you if, if if look if you want, I I'm a firm believer that if you really have a passion to do something, you have a drive. Like, oh, I love that. I love that. It gets you excited then that's what you're meant to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that. All right? right, Anything that really gets you excited, uh, I think that was planted in us. And so follow that through. So that's all you need. I'd say you need the passion and the skill and, a, and an internet connection. That's all you need. You don't need that, to start following along and, and you know doing what I do exactly in real time. That's not what it's about. Yeah, that's the best advice. I mean... And I think a lot of people need to hear that too. You get caught in a rut, you know, day to day working a job that you may not even like. But if there's something that you love right. to do, now is the perfect time to get started learning about it. You know, 100%. absolutely, of course it is. Yeah. It's it, and it's never too late either. You know, you see these people who like go through their whole life and they go through the grind because they got the job they're supposed to get. Mm. You know, and they're like, you know what? Eh, this isn't really making me happy. You know what will make me happy is this. And it's really never about the money, right? I always give advice. I'm like, you know, and I, again, I've, I've, I've raised kids. So, and I'll tell them the same advice. It's like, don't do it for the money. I mean, money's very important. Don't get me wrong. But if that's your motivation and you don't love what you're doing, it's going to feel really hollow and you're going to be miserable. Burnout so, um, do what you love and, and the money will follow. That's the name of a book. And, you know, I, I believe in a lot of that, as long as you're smart about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to have a sense of, of business skills and, and you have to have uh, some self-motivation and discipline. Because if you're going to do something as crazy as this in a creative field, be a professional and, you know, it's up to you. Um, it, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes um, a lot of uh, uh, persistence. Yeah, go um, and you got to go in, and it's scary as hell. I'll tell you, it's it's a roller coaster ride. It, it's just, it's not like oh, you arrive and now it's all yeah. yeah. No, oh, it's a lot of what you do yeah. now. Even like when you yeah. get like you get all these contracts and you perform, you compose these scores for these products. Sometimes you will get reached out to to do the work, but I kind of would wager that even with a name. Sometimes you're still out there being like, I got to hustle and be like, look, I can put this out for you guys. I can give you the score you need for your game. Hire me now. Yeah, yeah. he's nodding. And Absolutely. Stop. Heavy nodding and agreeing. No, it doesn't <laughs> stop. And it's not just with composers. I mean, look, look at famous actors. Why do you think you're seeing these famous actors show up on Netflix and Amazon and stuff like this? I mean, it's not that they're all desperate for the money, but one, it's what they do. They love to do what they do. And two, yeah. When you get used to a certain lifestyle and spending, I mean, you got to keep the money going. But we like to work. I mean, when you do what you love, you just want to keep doing it. You want to keep creating. So, um, but yes, as a freelancer, if you're going to be a creative, 
um, generally speaking, when you stop working, the income stops. Mm-hmm. And and that's really where a lot of the business sense has to come in mind because you got to really think outside the box. You got to look at ways to diversify, mm-hmm. right? What other things can you do as a creative person that can generate passive income, right? So it could be things like making music for, for libraries, you know, getting your music licensed in movie trailers and TV shows and what have you. Um, all kinds of different ways of of generating different revenue streams, and that's the beauty. And of what's uh, going on with you I think in it's this an, course too, because one thing is, yeah, we all live in our little bubbles where we'll find ourselves thinking like, I need to do this, but I have no idea where to start. But if we take the time to step outside of that bubble and realize that we are one of millions and billions of humans that have lived and will live, and someone has already lived the experience and can give you the input and advice to go the direction you need to go. Hmm. You have a whole course that's going to be like, hey, here you go. Here's the deets. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the concept of standing on the shoulders of the greats. That's a, that's a saying, not that I'm a great. I'm saying I like to learn from other people's lives. Why not learn in one week a lifetime of experience mm-hmm. from someone else and then then learn another lifetime? That means you can, it's like, you know, you're absorbing all this experience and knowledge and you can really get a huge head start in in life and your path of just learning from others why why reinvent the wheel that's a waste of time So what is next from Tom Salta? So what's what's ne- post post pandemic world? What's going to happen? My goodness. Well, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm going to go to a lot more restaurants. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Favorite food? <laughs> I'm talking about like a, I'm going to uh, go out and see my a lot more of s- my friends and start <laughs> hugging them. Yeah, we're going to um, see you out, uh, maybe giving more talks or pre- performing. I love to perform, but I don't do it enough. The last mm. performance I did, I think, was at TwitchCon. Uh, I did the Battlegrounds theme uh, live, which was a huge blast. That was so much fun. Um, I have a few game scores coming out. I, it really sucks that I can't say what they are. Yeah, um, that was my but... <laughs> question. I want to get in. I'm like, come on, what's new? What's new? But that's or okay. No. I, I understand. You one can't of them say. is called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and that's, the other one. Right. <laughs> one is two syllables. Uh, <laughs> Play a series of devious clues. And the other is three <laughs> syllables. <laughs> now, listeners, it's too bad that this is all audio because right now he's pantomiming what the... Uh, That's okay. right. Yeah. Right. I'm drawing the letter. Sounds like... <laughs> Rhymes with Strappleberry. Oh, I got right. it. I got it. You can understand. Yeah. So well, what I can say is, uh, yeah, come the fall... 
Uh, there's going to be a, a, a new fun uh, score uh, releasing with this great new fun game. And, uh, and then uh, next year, there's going to be that uh, horror score. I th- actually, it actually a version of it might come out later this year. Ask so anyway, those are the... It, are you at least allowed to mention what console, maybe? Or consoles? Mm. Well... You don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to get him in trouble. <laughs> good call, good call. Rob, uh, you see your boyfriend. Am I allowed? Yeah, yeah, technically. But but if this leads to anyone guessing, well, you let... Okay, I'll tell you a console, but you can't... You, you have to promise not to guess on the air. I will okay? not guess on the so air. So one of the games is PlayStation 5. Okay, cool. Okay, and done. And the other one is 5. like all of them. Yeah, right. well, so that's it. That's one it. Down. I'm going to leave it at that. Cool, cool. But I promise to I I I would I'd love to nothing more than to tell you now. But I I'm not allowed. So. Um, you're wearing a Mega Man shirt. Which uh, do you have a favorite in the series? No, no. Uh, well, I I think Mega Man on what? Super <laughs> no, Mega I Man hate him. 10. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Mega Man wasn't one of the big games that I used to play. But I, I of all of them, I believe the Super Nintendo Mega Man X is yeah. is the one. I do like Mega Man X. They added a lot of like more freeform exploration to the stages than oh. just like the simple left to right. The control, the control, the bouncing off the walls. I feel like it just revolutionized what I want in platforming, even today. Like, that's just what I love. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, some of those early ones they really redefined. Uh, they set the standard for the genre to this day. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for coming on our show today and talking with us for a little while. I do appreciate it. Um, oh, it's of been course. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, this I could do this all, all day. No, absolutely. Thanks and, for having me. And I gotta say that 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 Pac-Man ghost in the background has been just mesmerizing. Oh yeah, they get, the, yeah. the moment I first noticed that it changes color, I was kind of yes. <laughs> That's right. It goes from inky to blinky <laughs> and beyond. All right. Was well, there anything else that you would like to maybe tell our listeners about? Some last plugs uh, before you head on out. Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, if anyone is interested, please do check out um, the masterclass at TomSalta.com slash masterclass or just TomSalta.com and you'll see a link on the top for masterclass. And I think we're reducing the price uh, today by 50 bucks, I think. So if you're going to jump on, now's the time. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if you're listeners, but we might even did we give you a coupon yes. for your yeah. listeners so, yeah, so that's even um, so we have a coupon use uh use the code pixels 30 get 30 dollars off your uh not subscription but your access to the master class that's right that's pretty cool yeah that's really exciting thank you so much for coming on the show i do appreciate talking to you and i'm um, looking to forward to hearing more from you honestly it's been a great, great. Time. well i look forward to coming back someday oh you're definitely welcome back yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, all we'll, right we'll, great chat. <laughs> we'll give you a call Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of <laughs> Purnell dropping his food on my floor. All over the place. The dogs are going to love it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rhythm and Pixels. This has been episode 28-1. 
um, our focus on the music of Tom Salta and interview with Tom Salta, who's, who's an amazing guy. Um, the charisma was bursting through the Zoom. Yeah, just really open about talking about everything that he's worked on, how he got there, his influences. I, I really, really, really was really thankful to have him on here. And that awesome Pac-Man goes. I wish people could yeah. see it. Oh, man. Yeah, his camera was really nice. And you can see his office or I guess his little studio area because he had his keyboards surrounding him. Um, was really he had a nice couch. Like it makes me feel. I Mario to, was comfortable. I need to fix this room up. You know what I'm saying? Like you at least put get, a couch right there, what? and then Mario. <laughs> no, no, Luigi can't steal his style. That's what I should do. Can't bite his style. I should put like some seating back there. Oh, I know what I'm doing for now. Well, I'm, I'm definitely changing the lights, but we probably this probably shouldn't be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like interior decorating with rhythm and pixels. Um, yeah. So next week would have been our. Uh, will probably be our um, our live stream episode uh, Thursday night where we usually record I have to work so we should probably do the live stream in Ju- the first week of yeah, June yeah so we're thinking June 3rd is going to be our live stream for our Patreon uh, members so those episodes still get recorded and become a fun wacky full of hijinks rhythm and pixels episode but if you're a Patreon member then you get um, you get to jump in while we're recording, like a little fly on the wall. And I just thought about what the topic could be because we hadn't had one yet. This may as well be the topic. We were talking at the beginning of the episode. And about, then you'll have to remind me later because I'm be like, Pernell, who did we pick a topic? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we were talking at the beginning of the episode about uh, last weekend's suggestion of the Summer Game Challenge. So maybe uh, the topic could Epic's be... Epic Summer Games. No, well, that summer summer games can come next month. The summer Olympic when summer's games. official. <gasps> Olympic no, games. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a great idea. No, but like if like basically like uh, anticipated games to play like right Mario and Sonic go to the Olympics. Oh Christ, no one's anticipating playing <laughs> that this summer. But like any games that you're looking forward to playing over the next few months, mm-hmm. whether new or old. Okay, but primarily old because you need to actually have access to the music. But something to, where it's like uh, imagine yourself. In like school, high school or grade school, and you have the summer off. Yes. What are those games? What are those cartridges you're looking forward to throwing in the old game console, firing up, and then ignoring all of your other responsibilities? And I'm glad. I like the way you put that because, in that regard, mm-hmm. now the question becomes: Should we base it off of your back in the day when you had that opportunity, or just period? whatever you want, whatever you want? I there you go. I like that. Run with any, as long as it's that concept, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. old, Because this summer, past. I'm taking a bunch of time off this summer, but I'm going to be seeing a lot of family. With your Nintendo. Because well, I'll be bringing my Nintendo. No, I won't. <laughs> I'll be bringing my phone. But no, we've all got we've all got shot, so we're all good to go. Oh, so man. see each other. The party is going to start. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, anyway, if you would like to get in contact with us, um, the best way to do that is with an email. Rhythm and Pixels at hotmail.com. So, yeah, over the email, you can send us a, a track suggestion or a topic suggestion, or um, even if, if you're a composer or if you're a remix artist, we would love to hear from you and hear, hear some of your work. And for more information about our show, a full track listing from all of our episodes, and access to all of the other stuff that we're doing, go to the website rhythmandpixels.com. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as uh, just Rhythm and Pixels. It's all one word. Check us out on youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels. We have a 24 7, 8 bit and 16 bit classics uh, radio station playing nonstop. And um, just, yeah, just, just 
you know, I just need to make sure that it's still running because I did have to move some things earlier and I might have unplugged it. No, it's still running. Awesome. Cool. It's still chug-a-lug-a-luggin'. Really pleased that it's still, <laughs> still running. Um, so, yeah, so check that out. I'm really excited about that. It's all curated by Pranel and myself and some other people in the, uh, the podcast community. Um, and if you'd like to support the show, though, the best thing you can do is to tell people about it. Tell us, say, hey, you know, um, this was really fun. I learned a whole lot, or uh, I laughed and, and cried and listened to some Set a great trap music. in your backyard. Dig a big hole, put some sticks over it, mm-hmm. and at the bottom of the hole, leave an ever-playing rhythm and pixels right. playing laptop waiting to, for them when they fall in they're stuck listening to it and you can get them out yeah 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 like deep in the woods you have like a laptop just playing the podcast and so people get lured into the woods you catch them right and then, and then you, you tell them about the show there you go yeah and then, then maybe they'll become Patreon members you go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels there we will be waiting in the woods <laughs> for you <laughs> Um, no, if, if you can support us that way too, um, not necessary. Obviously, uh, we're going to be keep doing this show just because we super enjoy doing it. But um, that How is, else am I going to have the excuse to eat French fries? This this French fries aren't paying for themselves. Actually, I'm not paying for those French fries. The calorie load isn't. Is that either. Wawa? Is that Wawa French fries? You better believe. I didn't know they did that. They did now. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I eat them. They serve them at night, just right after I get out of the gym, but before I get here. It's there's perfect. like a there's like a murder mystery show where there, it takes place in like Pennsylvania and a Wawa and a Wawa. It's a Wawa, and it, so I feel like Wawa is becoming part of like the the national like vocabulary, and I'm as it should, as it should. Uh, next, now readers is next. Um, but no, not Wawa. Uh, Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. Uh, as a member there, at any any level, you get access to a monthly live streamed episode. You get access to a prequel episode with me and Pernell chatting and goofing off. Um, and at the higher levels, we'd like to thank everybody at the end of the show. Guess what? I did not pull it up. Oh, I did. Look at me. Um, we'd like to thank Frankly Zappa, Mike Myers, Fashion8060, That Nick Walker, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, Mats Holmquist, Davy Cakes, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, which we had a really great time uh, screwing with them on their show uh, just last week, uh, Sonic Medley, Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Selkova, Andreas Mielberg, Dan Loughton, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Bobby Arson from 1UP Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, who I might also be working with again. Uh, Michael Bridgewater, a.k.a. Mebri64 on twitch.tv slash Mebri64 and the Forever Sound version of Video Game Music Podcast, our friend from Over the Pond, and Brian Pitt, uh, new daddy, right? He's a new papa. Dream and he's daddy. loving it. Dream daddy Brian Pitt. <laughs> Love that. Um, so anyway, I thank you everybody here for your uh, continued support of our show. I hope what we do brings you a little bit of joy, brings you a little bit of a little bit of ecstasy. Well, let's just go with a little bit of you and me. I think I'm just happy if it's it makes you guys, I don't know, some <laughs> crazy person. <laughs> I'm just hopeful that anybody who listens to this show comes away from it at least with a bit of a smile on their face that they didn't have when they started listening to the show. There you go. It just... If you cracked a little bit of a smile, then, you know, that, that worked out pretty well. And if a dad joke happened to be a result of that smile, too, well, then that's double yeah. bonus. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see you next week. Uh, we'll have a Stacy Con. <laughs> God, we did do a Stacy Con-themed episode. That, hey, doorknobs. Well, we, don't, uh, we don't have a topic for next week, but we can figure that one out, right? Doorknobs. Doorknobs it is. I think Alex Bessinger 
brought that one up, right? No, it was like, I don't think it was him per se, but someone had said those guys can do anything as a topic. Mm-hmm. The next, next thing they're going to do something like doorknobs or something, yeah. and that's become a running joke. Oh, I want to give a shout out to the Legacy Music Hour. Their last two episodes have been so stupid funny. I, I have not laughed as hard as when they are just riffing on each other. She's talking about training class. We need a comedy by you know Legacy Music Hour training course. I don't know, man. They they got something. They got they got something. They got the stuff. They got the stuff. All right. Um, thanks for listening to our show. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. And remember, I guess this kind of goes back to the dialogue we had earlier, but it just seems appropriate now too, which is that you know we get caught up in our lulls, our day to day lives, our means to an end, careers. And sometimes we find ourselves thinking that we just don't have enough time to embark on new ventures. There's not enough time to go to that place you wanted to go visit. There's not enough time to go I don't know, undertake that project. You want to build a shed in your backyard, dig a hole and put a laptop in it to trap people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Whatever your project or travel or endeavor goal may be, even if there isn't enough time, there's enough time because it's never too late to start trying to do it. And... It'd be much better for you to attempt to start something and then something happens where you can't do it than to not try and realize that you just wasted a bunch of time that you could have been engaging in the thing you were hoping to pursue. So it just goes back to that statement of it's never too late to start something. It's never too late to try. Just put the time and effort in and get as far as you're going to get because any progress beats no progress on your dreams. Like the old rhyme, how the old rhyme goes. What? It's never too Sticks late to try. Sticks and stones don't break my bones? It's never too late to try. My favorite Final Fight character is Guy. I before E, except <laughs> after C. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to mess with you. <laughs> I thought you really had a ride to go with. Nope, that was it. <laughs>